With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Pakistan Cricket Podcast, Episode 20, Conversation with Jared Kimber, Part 2, on Shadab Khan, Matthew Hayden, and coaching. Please do check out Part 1 of the conversation, where we talked about leg spin, Shane Warne, and Mushtaq Ahmed. Um, two, questions, two final questions before I let you leave. This has been fascinating. I've learned so much about leg spin and love these Kadir and Mushi stories in particular as a Pakistani cricket fan in particular. Um, one current Pakistani leg spinner, um, you, I was going to ask you about Rashid, Rashid Khan, but you've already talked to him a little bit. So uh, maybe about uh, Shadab, what sort of leg spinner would you think of him technically, but also tactically? And uh, a follow-on question, just because, you know, we've had issues with uh, spinners in general in test cricket. um, And there's been some talk often, you know, well, why don't we try Shadab Khan? Uh, Right now, maybe we have Abrar coming through. Hopefully Zafar Gohar comes through as well. But leaving those two aside, what do you think about Shadab as a leg spinner? How would you describe him? And also, is there a possibility, do you think, from the outside looking in, whether he could make uh, a decent option in in test cricket? So my... my most interesting thing about him is that he comes in like an off spinner. So if you watch him come to the crease, he doesn't come in like a leg spinner at all. And I do think that that probably holds him back in red ball cricket. So the way that he runs in, I think there's something he's not, I don't think he's getting as much momentum as you need um, for someone who bowls like him, right? If you're, if you're Shane Warne and you're big and physically strong, um, or you're someone like Stuart McGill, who has perfected the ability to put uh, sideway revs on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably that doesn't matter quite as much. But I think if you're more of a skill-based leg spinner and you're deceiving people and everything else, I think you do need a little bit more momentum. And he kind of makes up for it. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. Yeah. Um, I told this story recently, but I remember 2017 Champions Trophy. I, I was watching him, and I was writing a piece about how he was the future of Pakistani cricket, right? And it was sort of a wider piece about how Pakistan had been so good in that Champions Trophy. But I was saying that they've never had a player like Shadab Khan before because they've never had a player who's that good at batting, bowling, and fielding, right? And not and fielding in one position, but fielding in multiple positions, right? And I remember anywhere. George Devel... Oh, sorry, go. Anywhere. Yeah, he can field anywhere. Yeah. He's just like genius, yeah. Yeah, and George Devel was next to me. He's like, well, Shah Malik's a good fielder. And Shah Malik was, you know, a very good, reliable fielder, yeah, right? Yeah, still is. Yeah, and then as he said that, Shadab Khan was a backward point and dived a meter, meter and a half, two meters to his left, saved the ball, backward point. And I still remember this. I still remember the exact position I was standing and watching it and then turning to George and George going, although you may have a point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, you know, it happened perfectly. And I think if you go back and read that piece from the Champions Trophy final, I think I led with that fielding, right? Ooh, I want to take that out. I think, if, if not, it was. I, I just remember it being so vivid in my mind of straight away being that is not the Pakistan we grew up with, right? Um, it was matching the skills and natural athleticism with real cricket athleticism that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, Imran Khan was an incredible athlete, right? And, and mm-hmm. was a Macron probably an incredible athlete as well. But did they get the most out of their athleticism 
across the entire field? Probably not. No. In Macram's case, did he ever become the batter he should have became, right? No. Probably not. As a fielder, he was a phenomenal fielder when he could be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, had a Imran great Khan. arm. He, he had an amazing yeah. arm from the exactly, boundary. Yeah. 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 Imran Khan would just, how many years was Imran Khan just hiding at mid on? And you're just like, yeah. these guys you've got at point, like you're, even at 40, you're a better fielder than these guys. Um, so, so I think Shadab Khan from that perspective, I, I sort of looked at him from that as that, that next model of cricketer. Um, look, I think he's a highly, I think he's a very intelligent cricketer. There's mm-hmm. a bit of something about Ravi Jadeja about him. Right. Yeah. By that I mean he's he's worked out a very simple method to be a good spinner that is not like Yasir Shah, that is not like Mushi. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not an evil genius spinner. That's yeah. not to say he's, he doesn't have some tricks because as a leg spinner, you kind of have to have some tricks. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, off spinner, you just need to go wang, wang, wang. As a leg spinner, it needs, you know, there needs to be a little bit, but he's not on that level of, you know, what's he going to do now? Like even if you watch Adam Zampa, like, oh, you know, oh, there's something going on here with Adam Zampa. You know, what, what's what's gonna what's gonna be what's gonna be coming out next? Mm-hmm. I don't feel that when I watch Shadab. I do feel a little bit more like uh, he's going to spin it one way, or he's going to spin it the other way, um, or it's going to skid through. Um, but essentially, what he's going to do is put the ball roughly in the same spot over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, and, and go about it from that way. But he's such a natural athlete that you know he's got that physicality that probably overcomes the slightly weird run up that he has the maybe slight lack of momentum that I think he could put into his action if he changed his run up. Um, and it's maybe too late. Then you add in the batting of, I, and, and this goes back to the Judasia point, maybe even the Imran Khan point of, I'm not expecting him to be a good batter now because like most all-rounders, he hasn't spent enough time developing his batting. Mm-hmm. But I do think over time, when he's in the professional game, he's going to get better and better at that in the same way that we saw with Dan Vittori and, and with Jadeja and with Imran Khan. There's a real pattern of those sorts of guys who are so good, they come in early, that everyone's like, he's an all-rounder. And you're looking at him for about seven years going, are they? I mean, Marco Janssen could be another one of these, right? Yeah. Um, and it, also, it can go the other way. Some people said Mornay Monkel was going to be an all-rounder. Stuart Broad was supposed to be an all-rounder. It can go... I remember it was Stuart Broad, yeah. And Pakistan yeah. helped him a little bit, uh, trying to yeah, get him there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I think, so I I think with Shadab, he, he's slightly different than that. So I, I think in that perspective, um, he I think he's a massively talented cricketer and I find him a very interesting player to watch. I don't find him as sexy to watch as I did with Yasir Shah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think who, who's, who's some other interesting leg spinners out there. Um, uh, God, there was someone I was watching the other day, some clips of, um, you know, but, but I don't find him as, as interesting as those sorts of guys. What's amazing about him is that, okay, let's give him some Pakistani inflation of, he's probably not 24, um, but <laughs> 26, you know, 26. Yeah. yeah. Let's say he's 26, right? He's 26. And, and I think that he's going to stay a bit like Jadeja. He's going to stay a very good, um, uh, what's the best way to put athlete for a very long time. So that shouldn't fall across with him. I think he probably bowled test match cricket when he wasn't ready. Hmm, I think yeah. looking at the very basics of what he can do now is I don't think his actions as repeatable as Yashir Shah's is uh, or was. Um, but I do think that because he has that mushy style of attacking the off stump and the ability to give you three deliveries that none of the three are that easy to pick. I think he, he doesn't bowl particularly I, I think he can bowl with flight but we see he uses flight as an attacking option in t20 cricket mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see if he could use flight in a more natural way in first class cricket i saw him bowl against ireland i think he played his leg spinner in that test i don't know if, can't remember yeah it was england ireland yeah there was i think it was yeah, like yeah. he played against it was him and fahim which mickey arthur was experimenting with i think with yeah with, yeah with two all-rounders yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember him seeing him then and thinking he wasn't ready at that time. So my guess is the majority, I don't think he's played many tests, maybe less than 10, maybe eight, seven or eight tests. Um, and my guess is that he um, was still working out who he was as a bowler at that stage. Yeah. Last time I checked, he had a really good first class record. I don't know how much first class cricket he's played, um, but he does seem to have a very good first class record. So there's two ways of going about this. One you make a decision that that's who he's going to be with the thought that perhaps you can find another leg spinner who can do that. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're turning him into a three format player, maybe at the exact time you want him to work out how to bat at number four in T20 cricket. 
and change yeah. everything. And he's had injuries. Um, that's they, the other thing I would worry about it with him as well. He's had niggling injuries consistently yeah. as well. And so even if he doesn't, it's just, it's, it's a mental problem. It's a, it's a time problem, how you manage your time. Um, and then you're basically turning him into Jadeja, right? And just saying, you're going to play in all three formats and you're going to have to work out all three formats. And I think we've seen with Jadeja at times, it took him ages to work out the white ball, right? Mm-hmm. It took him mm-hmm. ages to work out red ball batting um, and white ball bowling. And part of that was because he was doing all of it, right? And, and it is, yeah. you know, and, and, and both of those guys are, are natural athletes with good cricket skills, which meant that they were the best cricketer at their age group level by a mile in batting and bowling probably their whole life, right? Yeah. They you get do everything. And you're no longer that person and you're just a, the fifth bowler, right? Or the seventh batter. Things change. You have to change how you go. And it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing mentally. And we th- see with Jadeja, you know, what was it two or three triple centuries um, in first class cricket? And it took him 10 years in 10 test cricket to work out how to bat in it, right? And even then, He's not really a test match batter. What he is, is like a, like a Vittori or an Imran Khan style. I just, you just won't be able to get me out. That's, I haven't worked out how to bat. I haven't worked out tempo. I haven't worked out pace, but this is how people get me out. So I'm going to not do this. And you're going to have to actually blast through me occasionally, right? And if you do that to Shadab and you say, that's what you're going to be, he's going to have to do a similar kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? So what do you want? What's the most important thing for Pakistan cricket and where can you cover him? So that's what I would be looking at, right? We might need, it might take three years for him to be the test bowler you want him to be. And by then he might be able to bat at five or six um, Mm. and be a first choice spinner. And suddenly your team looks smoking hot, right? The other side of that is what if he doesn't get any better at batting in T20 cricket? And he's, and, and that, that cup, those couple of years where he made runs uh, a flare up and he never does it again. And he can't bat at number you know, n- number four, five, or six, which means that you've got to bat him at number seven, which isn't the same advantage. Um, you know, that for those who don't know, there's a huge difference between someone who can bat at number six and number seven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it basically, it, it's about how many frontline bowlers you have. If you have a frontline bowler who can bat at number six, it's, it's limitless um, what you can do with the rest of your team. You can have batting absolutely. heavy teams, you can have bowling heavy teams. Once they're batting at number seven, um, suddenly it's not quite as strong. And then you're hoping that you have a great wiki keeper batter uh, or someone else or another part-timer in the top six or whatever. So it's a huge difference in flexibility um, at that time. So you really want him to develop so that he can bat at number four and not only bat at number four, but be like a Glenn Maxwell type player, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. averaging high 20s, but striking uh, 150 would 50. be like top top end idea for him yeah. attacking spinners giving him a license knowing that he's going to fail but also knowing that um he can win you a game in the middle which we saw in this world cup yeah and we saw in the psl for the yeah. whole season basically until he got injured. exactly yeah and, and he did it in another season in the psl as well um a couple of years back as well so we know that's in him but you need to practice that that's a sp- specific skill set you, you also need to play him a lot you can't rest him because if you rest him if, let's say he goes through a seven match period where he doesn't make any runs. Everyone's going to be calling for his head because it's Pakistan. Of course. Right? <laughs> so, so you're in this weird situation where you really have to look after him. So it's none of this is easy is I suppose the best way of putting no, it, right? It's, I, it's I, a really tricky situation. I agree with you. And I think that in part, these questions come up because of the dearth of spinners we've had in test cricket that have been good recently. And I'm, I think in general, partly because of his injuries and partly because I think hopefully we have some other spinners coming up, it would probably be better for him to focus on white ball cricket personally, even though I, he's my favorite Pakistani cricketer uh, of this generation. I think if if you look at what's going to happen, have to happen now is you're probably going to have teams more and more just go, okay, so he might, let's say, let's just say he might be the, the all-rounder that the Pakistani test team has. But they at once, sorry, I should say. And he will be really good. How long will it take them to get him there? And then um, is there any other ways they can cover him, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they just have, because of, especially because of Rizwan, right? Yeah, and maybe Muhammad wasn't him if he if he keeps developing and he becomes a test bowler. Well, we should, we what we should, we have an amazing fast bowling all-rounder in Fahim, but somehow he keeps getting dropped for no reason. Yeah, he's. I just at think the test level bowling, at the test level. Yeah, I just think his bowling is probably not quite test level. I don't know what his bowling average is, but I, I made a very early call that he would never be in the team consistently. And uh, I remember having some people say, 
no, no. And I was just like, I don't think he's quite good enough at any of the skills. He's just a bit too bits and pieces at the test level, I think, right? But it might be him. It might just be that they find another leg spinner and their top seven is strong enough. And they're like, well, we don't mm-hmm. need Shadab, right? But these are the sorts of decisions teams are going to have to start making because Absolutely. you can't go up against, especially in white ball cricket, you can't go up against England where everyone's a specialist and yeah. have a bunch of, a team of part-timers. And no. we're already seeing that. The West Indies dominated cricket for a similar reason. And and I think we'll see that more and more. So you really need to make a, a really clear thing of, okay, what do you want to do? What do you think your top end is? And, you know, how how do you want to go from here? And it, these are tough conversations because I think more often than not, the players will say, I want to play test cricket, right? And so then do you say, okay, can you play test cricket and, and T20 cricket only? And if they say yes, and then you have to say, what if we dropped you into a World Cup? <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, that's what Australia has done with people like Josh Hazelwood and uh, Mitchell Stark and whatever. We've seen it be successful sometimes and not successful other times, right? Uh, is uh, is the talent going to win or is the preparation and uh, and speciality going to win? I, I, I couldn't even tell you. All I would know is that Harry Gurney was a very average bowler um, and spent all of his time playing T20 cricket and turned himself into a really, really super skilled in like one part of the game. Yeah. And I reckon I could find you, sorry, Harry, if you're listening, but I reckon I could have found you 50 guys more skilled than Harry. Harry Gurney as natural talents, but Harry Gurney was thinking about literally the last eight overs of a T20 game and how incredible specialization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's a smart guy, obviously. And he got the absolute most out of himself. And because of that, he was absolutely brilliant at it. He didn't have to think about anything else. Michael Beer was another really good example in Australia where Michael Beer would spend his whole year thinking about how he was going to cramp batters up in the power play. Right. And Michael Beer will watch hours and hours of footage of these batters and where their feet moved against spinners and where they like wow. to hit and everything else. Right. He didn't play first class cricket. He didn't play any other cricket. I think he only had a big bash um, contract at the end. Have mm-hmm. Go back and have a look at his numbers. He's like going at like sixes and over. Wow. Right. And, without spinning the ball. You're dissing a lot of players right now. Just kidding. <laughs> I, you know, and, and so. I look at those sorts of players. Benny Howe's another one, right? There's heaps of these sorts of players out there. And I do think what what is going to win eventually? And I don't know. I'd still, if you were telling me who I was going to pick tomorrow, if I had a chance of picking a left-arm seamer um, outside of, you know, uh, it, it, if it came down to, I only had two choices between Mitchell Stark and Sam Curran. I find it very hard not to pick Mitchell Stark, right? Same. Every and time we just me, saw yeah. Sam Curran absolutely tear up a World Cup, right? Not because he's more talented, because we he Sam Curran isn't sitting around going, "I'm more talented as a bowler than Mitchell Stark, Mitchell Stark he's a taller than me, and three <laughs> yards quicker than me," right? But what he was is someone who was given a role and spent six months developing all the skills he needed to to fill that out, and absolutely smashed it in the face when he needed yeah. to do it. And Mitchell Stark turned up to a World Cup. And they said, oh, you're not going to bowl in the first over. Actually, no, we will get you to bowl in the first over. Oh, you got smashed. You're not going to bowl in the first over again. Um, Actually, we don't want you in the side. At all, yeah. (laughs) And so that is the level that you're talking about going forward of how we think about these cricketers. Mm. And that comes back to Shadab Khan. So when you say to me, can he do these things? Probably. Yeah. Right? How are we going to make him the most impactful player for Pakistan is a completely different thing and you have to work out what you can cover and what you can't cover it might be that you say well for him can bat at six probably can't but let's say he could bat seven at six. yeah but let's Rizwan say one comes at six. at six okay sorry yeah go ahead right and then you'd uh, you'd have him at six and then you have rizwan at seven suddenly you've got a shit hot top seven right if, if rizwan is pushed down in the order which is what shadab might do in that batting order right yeah now you're just like well we it doesn't matter who our leg spinner is it doesn't matter if we can't hold a bat right Good luck getting past our top seven. We're going to back our top seven to be able to do that. Mm. So you're like, do we need him for test cricket, right? Because he's again, we know it's going to take a while for him to develop those skills. Whereas in T20 cricket, we reckon he's about a season away from just cracking this role at batting at number four or number five, throwing him in, making him Maxwell against the spinners. Um, and then his bowling's already fine. His feeling's already fine. He doesn't need to worry about any of that sort of stuff. Do you do it from that perspective? And that's where, well, to be fair, Pakistan cricket is lacking because they don't have that kind of leadership and they're not thinking about those things at that level. But that's where the future of cricket is really mm-hmm. of 
while international cricket is still important, um, of looking at these things and going, okay, how do we get the most out of this particular guy at this particular for this career, right? And there's going to be wasted careers. There's going to be, you know, I mean, Australia basically did that with Josh Hazelwood. And it turned out they missed out on their best white ball bowler. <laughs> yeah, that's, I did right. not expect that. That came out of bolt from the blue, honestly, with yeah. the last They World encouraged Cup. him not to play. They didn't pick him. They didn't even pick him for the 2019 World Cup, right? And then yeah. he just went off and went, do you know what? I'd like to make a lot more money. And then do it. So I would say there was a general lack of interest on both sides, from Josh Hazelwood and from Australia. And it yeah. turned out that um, with a little bit of time, he could turn himself into a fantastic white ball player. So... Again, is that the thing of can you juggle these three things, right? And, okay, so let's say Shadab's not going to bowl at all before a World Cup, right, in one-day cricket. Are you coaching him so he's thinking about those things and what he needs to do and everything else? Is there a way of getting the most out of him? You know, in the way that football teams have to do this, right? You've got, like, you've got, like, a centre-back. Maybe centre-back's the wrong. You know, you've got, like, a, you know, a a defensive midfielder, right? Mm. But your lineup, and he's in your easily in your best eight players, right? But your lineup in that World Cup can't have a defensive midfielder, right? You have to spend six months telling this guy, "This is what we need you to do." These this is the role we need you to play because yeah. within he's, the structure of the team, yeah. this is what we need. Yeah, yeah, and so that is what teams are not really doing to the level they should be. Weirdly enough, it's one reason why associate cricketers do so well, right? Because they're very associate much oriented on that. Yeah, way? because associate cricketers really um, have to make the most out of all their talent. Mm. And so I remember working with Hong Kong, well, not working with them, writing about them and sitting on their bench for a game where they let me uh, sit in. And they were like, they were talking about stuff that I was like, Australia doesn't talk about this. <laughs> wow. And the reason was they were like, well, we have 15 players who are, you know, uh, 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 who are good enough to play for Hong Kong at any one time. About four of those are club cricketers, uh-huh. right? So if we've got a club cricketer, we have to make sure that this guy is in the actual best case scenario for him to be successful, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you've got Marcus Stoinis and Matthew Wade in the Australian team, you're like, oh, fuck it. We'll put him in the middle. <laughs> and Marcus Stoinis and Matthew Wade, hopefully they'll work it out. Oh, they worked it out in the semifinal. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Do you think New Zealand might be the good example in test cricket that might be that sort of team that does have a small player pool, but then takes the most out of that very small player pool? Yeah. So New Zealand, if you go back... Well, I can't remember when it started, but, you know, I've written about it. I think Tim Wigmore and a few others have written about it. They, they, certainly, they certainly went to a point of, of thinking, okay, here's our best 22 players who are of international quality. What's this guy going to do? What's this guy going to do? What's this guy going to do? That's not what Pakistan, Australia, India, and England, uh, England have started doing it over mm-hmm. the last, you know, 10 years or so, I suppose now, seven years or so. Um, but that's not traditionally what the other teams did, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? So I remember, so Raul Dravid's the coach of India now, and I talked to him when he was coach of India A. And he was he was talking to me about analytics in red ball cricket. And he's like, I don't see how they fit in the way they did in T20. And I was like, oh, they massively fit in. It's just that we're not thinking the right way. And and he was like, well, give me a scenario. And I said, well, okay, uh-huh. so uh, Mitchell Stark was injured for a test match, right? And Australia picked Chad Sayers as his replacement. And he's like, yeah. I said, well, Chad Sayers needs the ball between the first over and the 30th over, which is also when Pat Cummins needs the ball, which is also when Josh Hazelwood needs the ball. Yeah. Right. right? So the minute you pick Chad Sayers for that section, right, you are limiting your two better bowlers' use of that new ball. And if not, Chad Sayers is being limited, right? Yeah. The better bowler to pick would have been to go out there and have a look if there was someone who could replace the skills that you wanted of Mitchell Stark. Mitchell Stark's main skills were reverse swing at that mm-hmm. point and, and brand new ball. You're probably not going to be able to replace both of those, right? Yeah. But you still want someone who can scare the shit out of the tail enders and then probably bowl quite well with the second new ball, perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. Chad Sayers is not really that bowler at all. Mm-hmm. Billy Stanlake, perhaps, was someone like out there. Maybe, I can't remember, maybe Pattinson was fit. You know, um, Chris Tremaine, maybe could whoever it was, and I'm just picking random names out without looking yeah. at their deep stats, right? But what I was saying to Raul was like, we don't think about this in the right way, right? We're not thinking about when this guy is going to bowl. We're thinking he's the best bowler in the, in the country at the moment. Oh, we've got a chance to try him. There's actually, we should be thinking about when is he going to bowl? Why is he going to bowl and everything else? Now, Raul Dravid's not stupid person no he's, and yeah. if you start having conversations with people like Raul Dravid and Matt Pryor and um Gareth Batty Graham Swan these are not idiots 
right? These are smart men. They haven't thought about it in this way. That's the only thing that we're talking about. And what, quite often when you come up with these advanced things, they'll go, ah, I remember talking to Steve Harmison one day and I said that uh, Ishant Sharma's big problem was that he bowls a little bit too short. Right. And he has consistently his whole career. And if you have a look, as he started to bowl fuller, he's got more wickets. Exactly. Yeah. He would bowl beautiful balls before, but not get wickets. He looked good. Yeah. It looked good, but no wickets. Yeah. Steve Harmison, without missing a beat, said something I've never heard anyone in cricket ever say before. He goes, Yeah, that's because he bowls in swingers. I was like, What? And he said, Oh, Mm. when you bowl in swingers, your left arm drops a little bit more. When your left arm drops, you bowl a little bit shorter than when your, your arm is up strong. Oh. And I was like, Fuck off. Steve Harmison <laughs> kind of just unlocked a bit of cricket, right? Yeah. I go to Crickviz. I said, Steve Harmison's just said this. And they're like, oh, we've never heard this. Crickviz, right? They wow. look it up. 35 centimeters shorter in swingers to outswingers. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Right? So straight away, and, and bowlers know this. In, some, they know it subconsciously, right? Uh-huh. So a lot of them push that ball for, further up when they're bowling in swingers without even saying it. Like yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. seen it on, it's virtually never been mentioned. Right. And that what we're getting to is a world of which and I remember I've name dropped a fuck ton of people here. I'm sorry. About that. <laughs> I'm loving I remember, it. Go for it. I remember talking to Karen Pollard and I wouldn't say he was skeptical, but he worked with Mumbai. Now he's working with me. He had a slightly closer relationship with me because he was captain and, and, and the whole franchise was mm. falling apart. So we were talking a lot and, and he was like, you know, are you, you know, you have this laptop and you, and you know, whatever. And I was like, Polly, in your brain is all of this stuff. Exactly. Right? You can tell me some of this stuff. No one's ever asked you the right question and you don't even know some of it exists yet. Yeah. And you don't know how to explain it to me and you don't know what I need to know and you don't know everything else. From that, we can go back to the laptop. Uh-huh. Right? And we can literally look at this stuff and go, what he said here, absolutely right. And I've had the same conversations with people like, you know, you know Gareth Batty. We're talking about what I those sorts of players, proper professionals, yeah, right, long term players, and they have all these little nuggets, but they don't know how to do it. And so, I think analytics was originally seen as that sort of moneyball nerd on the side with the laptop. Yeah, exactly. But actually, like you want to unlock it, and it goes back to the Shadab Khan thing, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 started all this conversation of, okay, what is what do we think coaches and selectors Shadab Khan's best test figures numbers are right okay now what do we think he'll be if he just does white ball cricket what his best figures are there where can we cover him that's where the laptop comes back in right I've, okay we've got three it's a tool it's a tool to help you with the, yeah. with the right questions you, you can't seal this sort of stuff you can't have it all out there right and and sometimes you just need to be able to ask it and that's the level of cricket that we are getting to and so when you ask me a question about Shadab Khan, when you can be a test bowler, that's like that's like 17 levels down of where it needs to get to. From the right? question that you needs to begin. You need to keep going up and up and up until you have everything. Now, you said they were professionals and we talked about tactics. And so my last question, uh, in contrast to that, at least in my view, maybe you'll say that I'm wrong. Um, I'm curious what you make of Matt, Matthew Hayden's role in the Pakistan team as a mentor. Um, I'll be honest, it confuses me a little bit how much, uh, you know, attention he got from Pakistani fans as well, but also from the commentators, maybe because he speaks English and he's a bit, you know, goofy and seems lovely. Also a cricket legend in his, in his time. Um, and you know, when Pakistan was did... just happy, he wasn't commentating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I feel about Rambo, honestly. But like when, um, and when Pakistan, the batter started doing well, somehow it was Hayden's. Hayden, was it was <laughs> yeah, when it was failing, it was all Saklan and Muhammad Yusuf, right? So uh, yeah, I'm kind I of think, curious think... what your what your role, what do you think about his role and uh, him as a mentor coach? Or I mean, I, I, he seems like a lovely person. I can't I can't give the full details of this because I don't know if this is public knowledge and it was given to me by a friend. But I, f- I, I know of a specialist coach who was working with a team, and then a big series was coming up, and. And they and the team said, "Do you want to re-sign up for this?" And he went, "No." They were like, "What? You've been working with this team for four or five months." He said, "No, no. Get him a legend." He goes, "I'll be on the phone, and you can pay me a fraction of what you normally pay me, and I don't have to go on this tour, and I don't have to spend two months away from my family." He said, "When the tour, when the series is on, 
they don't need minute changes. And if they do, mm-hmm. you can always fly me out at the last minute to whatever. What they need is a legend to tell them how great they are. And there is a, there is a thought process. And this was a proper coach. This wasn't like some guy who just does coaching because he's a former player. This is like a guy who believes in coaching. But his big theory was that, you know, in the change room, you know, it was Australia at the Ashes had suddenly had Steve Waugh, who hadn't done any coaching in like forever. Yeah. I don't think Steve, I, I could be wrong. I don't know the full thing. I don't think Steve Waugh was there to coach. He was there so that when Marnus came back in after he faced Joffre Archer, Steve Waugh could take him to the side and go, mate, what you just did is about as tough as we've ever seen in test cricket. You might never face another spell like that. Mm-hmm. If you can conquer that, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's a 32-year-old who averaged 25 in first-class cricket and might be the most technically correct batting coach and brings in scientific methods, uh, that is not particularly going anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Steve War says that to you. Whoa. Steve War yeah. plays fucking Kirtley and Courtney and Wackar and Wazim mm-hmm. and Donald and Pollock. And, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, ridiculous, right? And so... I think that is the idea of those coaches, but that doesn't mean anything if they don't have all the technical support that they need beforehand. Right. And what you're really talking about is, and this is when you're putting coaching panels together, you really want the ability to mix and match um, those sorts of different roles. You do want one guy he's seen there being at all. And when he speaks, the room stops to listen. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've got no problem with Matt Hayden from that perspective. But if Mm -hmm. we're pretending that Matt Hayden had a big impact on Pakistan's batting pro or negative, I find it hard to believe that when did he get involved? He came in for the last World Cup and then he came in again for just this World Cup. Like, I don't think he's had any outside of that. And he's not had any coaching stints anywhere else in Australia, right? He's not coaching. It's not coaching. It's almost, I don't even know. Mentor. They call it mentoring. Uh, yeah, I suppose mentoring is a good way of putting it. There are little things that I think Matt Hayden could help them about for Australian conditions. But he's not a batting coach. I don't think he's working with them directly. And those positions can be very hurtful and harmful to players because quite often they'll come up with a method that's been working for them and the legend will come in and go, Sachin <laughs> didn't need to do that, did he? You know? <laughs> And you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. So basically, you're just saying boomer voice. You just get a boomer yeah. voice coming in on the side. Yeah, so it can go in that direction. What, what I would say is, though, that there are parts of it that work. As I said, the Steve Wall one is the one that comes off the top of my head. This other coach telling me about the sort of, you know, in, you just want someone who's kind of been there and done it before. Um, I think in a perfect situation, you kind of want both. You want a proper batting coach who's like really, really involved with everything. And then you want the mentor to be able to say, I remember Justin Langer did something really interesting when Australia played Pakistan. Mm-hmm. When I think they'd been smoked by the spinners, um, not so a couple of couple of tours ago. Uh, well, he wasn't was he even coaching in the last one? I can't remember, but it wasn't the one in Pakistan. It was the one before that, and he took them out, and it was all about being a left hander facing spin in Asia, right? And he was talking, and there was a bunch of left handers as there always is in Australia, and he was talking them through it. And I thought there was a part of me that was like, fuck, how great would that be to have Justin Langer out there talking to you about all that sort of stuff? But then there was a part of me that went, that could go really wrong because he did all his batting in Asia before DRS. True. (laughs) Batting in Asia, well, batting everywhere, but batting against spinners in Asia has completely changed since he retired. And they ended up making runs at the end of that tour. So whatever he told them, let's imagine that it worked, right? Um, But... But yeah, so I remember I remember that really, really clearly. So it can go really poorly if they're not thinking correctly and everything else. But from a very pure perspective, having someone like that, I think, is an advantage. But I do look at other sports and I'm like, why don't other sports necessarily need legends? You know, so I watch the NBA mm-hmm. and, you know, my team's are Denver Nuggets. And I don't know, Popeye Jones, our best former player. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, we've got Andre Miller is the G League coach, I think. Or is it Mike Miller? One of the one of the uh, former Nuggets is the G League coach. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good player. Um, but, you know, there aren't, you know, in, in the main team, I don't think there's a former player. And if you look at 
the NFL is quite similar to that. Like guys who know, could they, play college, maybe were nerds at college, maybe got injured early, became technical coaches. Yeah. They're, they're professional coaches. Or we're never going to be professionals or whatever. And I'm like, well, if LeBron James can listen to Frank Vogel enough to go in all in on defense and win a title for the Lakers, um, why the fuck can't cricketers listen to coaches properly, right? So there is that uh, element to it. Um, but I also, I, I worked with a guy called Grant Morgan when I was at Scotland. Okay. And Grant Morgan was the backup wicketkeeper to Dave Richardson at his um, province. Uh, he, um, uh, and so he didn't play a lot. Obviously, he was never going to play test cricket or whatever. But you just knew that Grant Morgan had played so much professional cricket. And then he'd gone on the coach with RCB and coached, you know, he, you know, he, he had a story about how he helped Faf with this or how AB Davies was struggling and all that. And that acquired knowledge. It, I think there is something to being able to put the two together. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that might be ideal. I always say the best analysts eventually should be former players. Mm-hmm. Right. The reason they won't do it is because coding sucks, uh, <laughs> because scraping data sucks, uh, because it's fucking hard work. Being yeah, yeah it, it's right? exactly. It takes a lot of time and work and it's you've you got know, to learn a new profession, a new technical skills, essentially. Exactly. And that's one reason why it doesn't happen. Um, but but eventually, essentially, that would be the best thing. And it would be the same with coaching. And yet we're seeing the opposite, because what we're really seeing is people who, who have spent 10, 15 years coaching uh, the best coaches. Because by the time they hit their 35, that sort of peak era, um, they've been coaching for 15 years mm-hmm. and um, the players have been playing. Now, that's a different role. I, I, you know, I, I talked to a player recently, just two players actually just became coaches. And the first thing was, they were like, fuck, this is hard work. <laughs> yeah. They didn't realize how hard it was to be a coach. They're doing way more hours than they ever did as a player, right? It's really hard. And Star players often don't want to do that. And so you get mm-hmm. the Matthew Hayden, Brian Lara, you know, type thing. It's not that I don't think they can come up with great things. You know, to go back to that Harmison point from before, what a great thing that would be to, t- to tell the ball, so I'm bowling too short. And you're just like, well, that's because you're bowling in swing. <laughs> but he's also it's, a thinker of the game, right? Like not everybody's like punting seems like a thinker of the game. Yeah, but Harmison I mean, seems like it, but I'm not sure Hayden not is one of those is. thinkers. I, 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 I haven't done this yet, but it's a really interesting story. Tim Murta. Yeah. Right. If you watch Tim Murta play, you would think this guy must absolutely think about cricket. What a fucking, he must be like, he's like that Irish Middlesex fucking Muhammad Asif, right? Look at him, huh? whatever. And so I went up to him and I said, Tim, I just want to, I just want to talk to you about your wobble ball. He said, oh, didn't really bowl it. And I went, really? Cause like, I've seen it. He goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, that wasn't a wobble ball. He goes, I bowl out swing right? And occasionally my hand slips. (laughs) And when my hand slips, the ball wobbles naturally. And quite often it darts back in. And I was like, oh, Uh -oh. and I said, so when the wobble ball came, did you try and perfect that? He goes, no, no, no. no. I didn't want to touch it. (laughs) Right? Because it was already working for me. So basically, and and I think this is him slightly dumbing himself down, but at a certain point, Tim Murtra is a man with an impeccable outswinger that just occasionally it falls down and it becomes an off cutter, right? Becomes a wicket-taking ball, yeah. (laughs) So I saw him as like a Muhammad Asif, Stuart Clark type bowler. Yeah. yeah. He's he's thinking less about his bowling than Harmison is, who (laughs) we all thought was just come in and bounce the ball in the middle of the wicket, right? And I think, so there are are certainly players like that. Kate Cross was another one who... Everyone in English cricket was trying to learn the, 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 the wobble ball and they went to Kate Cross and they did a super slow-mo and they went, Kate, I think you are bowling the wobble ball. <laughs> and, and they said to her, do you want... And she went, no, no, if I'm bowling it, let's just leave it alone, right? And, um, and so I think from that perspective, there are players who are just... They have a natural skill set that is so good. And that's why sometimes you see those late career surges like with Sikandaraza and those sorts of players because mm-hmm. they were just naturally good anyway. And then one day they worked out two things. You know, unlocked knuckle the balls and something yeah. about his hitting, and suddenly, like they go, bing. You know, Dinesh Karthik suddenly slapping the ball everywhere at the death, right? Um, but I do think, yeah, I think it's right. I think a lot of players have a natural advantage, physical or mental, that means that they are really good at cricket, right? And so they don't have to worry about everything else, and so they don't think. But those, co- you know, finding a player with a great work ethic who's going to continue to work afterwards and become a coach and everything else. If you ask Matt Hayden, Matt Hayden wants to surf and tell never-ending stories where he un- just doesn't seem to understand what the English language is made for. Um, 
and 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 talks like he's I don't know he read half of the Dalai Lama sentences but forgot the second half right like <laughs> sort of dime store um yeah like a dime store prophet right yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like what the fuck are you talking about that's not like there are so many commentators in cricket I feel so sorry for them because English is like their second or third or fourth language right yeah you listen to Matt Hayden you go fucking he doesn't seem to understand yeah it doesn't English. help him yeah. <laughs> um that doesn't mean that he doesn't have knowledge and that there's a, there's a clarity of thought. Someone asked me about this recently, actually, about Matt Hayden versus Matthew Elliott, right? I promise you, and this isn't just because I'm Victorian, that Matthew Elliott was a better batter than Matthew Hayden, right? He, he was, yeah, he was meant to be like a, the next big thing, right, in Australia. Just, I've never seen anyone like him. Dennis Lee talked about him like he was a mythical figure, right? There's a great story in the nets of like, I think it was Ponting. It wasn't Hayden. It might have been Ponting, Martin, and and, and Elliot were in the nets at the academy. And Dennis Lilly's like, um, they're like, how do you bowl to Ponting? And he's like, uh, you know, you want to drag him wide, um, get, him, get his hands pushing the ball, whatever it was. I can't even remember, you know. And and, and Damien Martin, it was, um, uh, you want to bowl a little bit fuller to him because he doesn't move his feet, whatever it was. And then it was like, you know, what do you do to Matthew Elliott? And Dennis Lilly's like, hope he misses it. Um, right. And it didn't happen. He didn't get to that next level. And you look at Hayden. Hayden had incredible clarity of thought. Everything Mm. Matt Hayden says, he's so sure about it. Despite the fact that when you listen back to it, as I just said, it fucking gobbledygook. So if you go to King Cricket, the website King Cricket, and you and you search for Matt Hayden, he's basically he's got like a collection of Matt Hayden comments. Oh wow! Okay. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Oh, this is amazing. It's so stupid, right? But. (laughs) But Matt Hayden would go out on the ground beforehand, close his eyes and visualize runs, right? Yeah. Matt Hayden was in a spiritual, you know, he's like a surfer and he is a surfer, right? He's out there. He's got this visual thing of, okay, I'm out in the middle of the ground. I'm going to do this. He's going to bowl here and I'm going to do this. Matthew Elliott was just a string of insecurities and overthinking and complicating the game and, and everything else. And all he needed to do is just go. And, and sometimes you would see Matthew Elliott for about two years I saw Matthew Elliott at the MCG. I, th- I think the bowling. I think I've got the bowling attack right. I think it was Nathan Bracken, Brett Lee, Stuart McGill, Stuart Clark. Wow! Right. He made 160. Off, uh, my memory is it was about a run a ball. Right. Wow. And you watch him, and you just like it's it's still in my top five innings I've ever seen. Right. Just on another level, the way he was batting that day. I, I've you know it, it felt like he was in a trance, and. Then I've watched Matthew Elliott go out other days. So I was just like, has he, has he got his bat with him? Does mm-hmm. he understand how to do it? It's all and, up here. Yeah, and it was all up here. And so there are things that I think Matt Hayden can help with, is what I'm trying to say. Even if I, there's no way, there's someone who speaks the way he does. Most Pakistani batters are just nodding. I, I, but this is exactly what nodding. I was saying. I was but on are a tra- they nodding to someone that is giving, the, if he then caps them on the back and goes, that was a good knock, does that matter? That's the yeah. question you've got to ask yourself. And in cricket, we have decided that that matters. I don't know if it does. It would be my honest answer, right? But in cricket, we have decided at the moment that matters. Um, I would prefer to just have a great coach who has the ability to impart knowledge and make and, and provide a good mental space for the players and make sure that everyone is prepared correctly and everything else. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you just need Matt Hayden saying, you know, um, you know, the fox is cunning, but the chicken hath wings. I don't know. And Barbara is going, yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep, That's yep. actually a Navjot Sidhu um, phrase. <laughs> I couldn't think of one of Matt Hayden's uh, incredible. I would have looked that up. But you, he also, talking. if you want more Matt Hayden content, the best Please. one that I have seen is when he did, I've forgotten the guy's name, but there's this famous Indian guru. Um who is like a celebrity guru and like, it's like, and he's really big into cricket. He said one of the most racist things I've ever heard about Viv Richards one time. Oh God. Um, where he thought he, uh, where he clearly misunderstood everything about me, Viv Richards. Um, uh, but I forgot the guy's name, but he's this big guru. And Matt Hayden gets interviewed by him. Right. But this guy, I still don't know how this guy has so many followers because almost everything he says is cliched nonsense and he's not a particularly great speaker. It's not like Tony Robbins, right? Where at least you're like, Tony Robbins, like fair play to him. The man, when he speaks, I listen. Then I remember it's Tony Robbins and I ignore it. Right. But (laughs) 
you know, he's got a certain something about it. what's what's the what's the other Christian one in America, Joel Osteen or whatever. And you're like, yeah, Joel Joel Osteen, yeah. Like all the cricketers, West Indian cricketers love Joel Osteen. Oh, interesting clips of him, and I'm like, yeah, mate, it's fucking nonsense what he's saying. <laughs> he's just saying it really well. Um, Matt, uh, this guy, whoever this this, this I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name, but um, this guru, he gets Matt Hayden up on stage, and there must be like 500 people in the audience. And um and Matt, then it's really clear early on that Matt Hayden is supposed to be asking this guy questions, <laughs> and it's just this. You say whatever you want. I've made fun of Matt Hayden, brilliant cricketer. As I said, I think he got, I think he was brilliant at working out what he needed to do to make the best out of himself. Legendary, I think, yeah. I do think he lives a little bit as a cartoon character, yeah, in, at certain times, which is why I'm making fun of him. But imagine putting that dude on stage with this random famous guru and making him ask questions. <laughs> And you'd like you. I watched about seven minutes of it. I'm just like, I'll make this stop. Make this <laughs> stop. Um, so look, and that and, and that goes back to that whole head nodding thing. Maybe the head nodding thing is not a bad thing, right? I'm yeah, yeah. Like, if the players think it's thinks think it's helpful, then I guess it is helpful. I don't know. I, I remember watching the younger players of Roddy Eswick. So Roddy Eswick is uh, the West Indian assistant coach, I think now. A great bowler who never played for the West Indies because they had everyone else. But I think he had a first-class bowling average of 20-21. Roddy Eswick was – so he was Rihanna's school teacher, if you don't know the full Roddy Eswick story, right? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So he basically, <laughs> because he was a school teacher in Barbados, half the fucking Bayesian cricketers came up with him at school as his PE teacher, right, before he went into the academy system. He's like literally – groomed of oh, groom's the wrong word these days isn't it so he's literally trained these kids from a young age on how to be athletes mm-hmm. and how to think about them roddy eswick never played test cricket mm-hmm. right you watch him in a room and you watch him talking to a young cricketer i remember uh 2019 world cup he's working with the west indies some net bowlers there roddy eswick takes net bowler aside says to him and I was trying to work out what he was saying. I asked Roddy later and Roddy was like, ah, oh, you know, it's just helping me out. Roddy, Roddy doesn't want to be, you know, thought of as that way. But I was watching Roddy Eswick train a net bowler for like five minutes during, you know, a West Indies World Cup training session, right? Amazing. And this net bowler doesn't know that Roddy Eswick has whatever it is, 150 wickets of 21. Roddy Eswick doesn't look like he ever was an athlete. He's, you know, he's, you know, not quite in the physical shape he was once in, right? <laughs> but when he talks about cricket, you fucking listen, right? And everyone does. I have seen, been in so many rooms with Roddy where, you know, me, I'll, you've listened to me for an hour and a half, go on and on about bullshit, right? Roddy Eswick starts talking, I listen, right? I've got a million theories, but I want to test them all with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want him to tell you what's what makes sense, what doesn't, yeah. I know that he was a great bowler who probably should have had a test career, right? This random kid in fucking Nottingham or Southampton or wherever the hell we were, doesn't know who Roddy Eswick is, other than the the the, um, the costume. He doesn't know that you know he he's some legendary coach. If, he doesn't even know if he's the bowling coach. Roddy's just standing there, you know, big bald, arms crossed, nodding occasionally to people. Right? <laughs> you could see in this kid's face that he did it, and I was thinking that is cricket coaching, right? Because Roddy Eswick is an educator. Exactly. He, yeah. Yes, he played cricket, but he then had a whole separate career afterwards as a teacher and then as a coach where he has learned how to educate people. He's never going to have the same reputation or the same swagger as um, as Matty Hayden, right? No one's saying that, right? But I felt in that one moment that that kid learned everything he needed to learn because he had someone who knew everything about the technical side of things, who knew how to impart that knowledge and who did it in a way that put that kid at ease and put, and put him in a different spot, right? And I was looking at that going, do you need to play test cricket to be able to, to do what he's just done? And I just don't think you do. And I think that if you're only hiring people because they played test cricket, right? Like the, the whole Matt Hayden, Sean Tate, Dan Christian, all these teams picked all these Australian guys for the World Cup. It wasn't just Pakistan, right? And I did think to myself, what is better? Getting Dan Christian, who is a smart cricketer, and I really respect him. Same. Um, you know, is it better to get him or... Is it better to get a guy who has coached all the Dan Christians? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's a big question we don't have in cricket. And I don't know how we got there after your one question on Matthew Hayden, but no, this now was, we're going to have this... to go Google who that guru is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do send sad, me the links. Sad guru. 
is it sad guru is that his name wait i gotta find this guy it's uh, really annoying me i can't remember his name and i'm definitely gonna post links of it uh, when i post the Sad-guru. podcast yeah so it's sad guru it's s-a-d-h guru all one word okay um and uh and he's big into cricket. And um, if you can find that him and Matt Hayden on stage together, don't watch the whole thing because. Um, and also, don't Found take it. anything either of them too seriously. Uh, <laughs> I'm posting is, this. I'm posting this with the podcast later yeah, when I post. The but podcast. it is it is worth your time if you ever want to have a look at just the awkwardness of it. And and that just goes back to what we were saying before. You need to know what Matt Hayden is. Yeah, and maybe yeah. Pakistan do. You know in. Everything Rambo has done has not given me the sort of belief that Rambo is completely on it, right? I think the we're on the same page. <laughs> how he's done it, everything, and I don't know him very well. And you know, he's occasionally talked about my work, and and I've interviewed him once. I don't want to slag him off, but I'm not sitting there going, "Oh, you know, this, you know, he's those, got it figured the, out." The Elon Musk fans on Twitter are like, "You don't understand. This is five G <laughs> chess." No one's saying that about Rambo, are they? There's not even the. the Can I just say I I I love this like this whole discussion anyway. But then you add Rambo and Elon Musk slander in the same sentence. This it's <laughs> made the podcast. I, mean. no, I love it. Yeah, even yeah, yeah. Rambo's biggest defenders, you know, those guys that went after Usman when when yeah, yeah, when they put up oh the God. article, right? Oh God! Right? Yeah. Even though no one's saying Rambo's like a genius. Right? No, like, no, there's no. there's no level of that, and so I have to put that into my head as well of. Did he, did he think about all these different things? Did he want to... No, it's just Matt Hayden's famous. And Matt Hayden was on the TV a lot at that time. And Matt Hayden, you know... Aussie DNA. Aussie DNA. That's... that's yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, I get it. And I do think that we're seeing more and more people getting specialist coaches because of their background knowledge and everything else. I'm not against that. But at the same time, let's, <laughs> let's be completely honest here. He just picked him because it's Matt Hayden. It's not... Exactly. You know, it's not that complicated. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And um and so yeah. So let's uh let, let us finish here. And this is where you play maybe 40 seconds of sound from Sad Guru and Matt Hayden. Oh, that's, oh that oh I didn't even think oh great idea. See, that's why you're the podcast king in it. That's how you're building your empire there at 99.94. Jared, this has been such a pleasure. I genuinely thought I might have to squeeze in all my questions in 30 minutes. You've given me like three times as much of your time. Thank you so, so, so much. This was a pleasure. Uh, I would love to have you on again if you're free. Thank you so much, Jared. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Before I finish, I just want to say thank you to Dikobe for letting me use his music. You can donate to my Patreon page if you would like to help me in continuing to do these podcasts. Links with information about the guests, the music, and the Patreon page can be found in the podcast description. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.